Hey everyone, welcome to the Activate Podcast. My name is Jillian Pelkey, and I am so thrilled to be with you today and to be able to share the Word of God together. Today, we're going to be looking at Psalm chapter 4. And as we look into the book of Psalms and we begin to contemplate the goodness of God, let's first stop and pray and invite Jesus to speak into our hearts. So would you bow your heads with me in your hearts? Dear God, we thank you for your word that's living and active and full of hope and full of all that we need. God, I pray today that you would open our hearts to hear from you. God, I pray today that whatever may be stopping us from accepting the truths of your word, that God, it would be gone in your name. Lord, I pray that we would seek you and find you when we seek you with all of our heart. God, I pray that we would be found close to you and to your heart. God, thank you for always being with us. Be with us now. Speak to us through your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, today, the title of what I want to talk to us about is, What Has Changed? What Has Changed? When we look at the promises of God, when we look at um, the things that he's done in the past versus now, what has changed? There's such a drive and a push in our culture today to count our blessings. And it's such a great idea. But not many of us actually do it. Um, Actually sit down and make a list of the things that God has done. I want to encourage everyone to get a fresh journal. A brand spanking new journal. Open it up and write the things that God has done in your lives. The way that you've seen God move in other people's lives. And just begin to keep a record of the blessings of God. Tiny and large. Blessings are also people in our lives. And I gave a challenge to my Bible study class not too long ago to make a list of 50 people in their lives. 50 people. And then to begin to thank God for them. What a cute little nicey-nice idea. But when we actually put it into practice, when we look at the, the promises of God as more than just little quips and quotes, when we begin to look at it as more than just a nicety, but as a mandate from God, as something that not is a mandate just for the sake of rules and regulations and safety, but a mandate to change our very workings of our hearts and our minds to make us into Christ-like images. Imagine that. And when God instructs us in his word to count our blessings, it's for our own good. It's for our own health. It's for our own uh, hope. And so in making a list of 50 people, I thought it would be hard, and I had my sheet of paper. I began to write, and I'm writing, 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 and I thought, okay, I'll pause now and count. I'm probably halfway there. And as I began to count all these names, I realized I was way over 50. There are more than 50 human beings in my life that I'm thankful for. I didn't say 50 perfect human beings. I didn't say 50 saints. I didn't say 50 people that uh, are all about encouraging me and, and pouring into my life. I said 50 people that I'm thankful for. You know, social media is so quick to say, uh, have friends that are look like this. Don't be around people that don't do this. Don't do that. Don't do this. And we're looking for these perfect friends or these perfect people in our lives. We don't want to surround ourselves with anyone with any issue. But rather I think, that if we surround ourselves with people with issues that aren't perfect, that aren't all above us, but some people that are below us in 
sorting out the character of Christ, people that are alongside of us struggling in the battle, and people that are ahead of us. If we come around all of those people, it gives us the biggest opportunity for growth. I don't want to be around just people who always act appropriately. I want to be around people that act inappropriately so that I can respond in a godly way. I want to be challenged by someone who gossips. I want to be torn down so I can get back up and be stronger. Because in that, God's going to teach me lessons. And if I'm only around people who are better than me, then I don't get to work out spiritually. I don't get to stretch my spiritual muscles and be kind to the unkind. I don't get to help those who are hurting. I'm just always looking up to people. So as I make this list of 50 people and I begin to thank God for them, God puts on my heart to let a few of them know, to pick out a few names and let them know that I'm thankful for them. The Bible says count your blessings, name them one by one. And if we begin to look at how many people that God has placed in our lives, Every single one of us has a, a community around us. Now, I'm sure that probably about half to 75% of the people listening, when I just said that you have a community of people around you, you began to compare and say, I have a community of people around me, but it's not as good as yours, Jill. It's not as good as so-and-so's community around them. And this group of people have a better church. This group of people have a better network. This group of people have a better... Look at what God has gifted to you. Other human beings are in your life on purpose. God didn't make a mistake. God didn't put you in the wrong family. God didn't put you in the wrong place in history. God put you right where you're supposed to be. And when you begin to look around at those people, we can thank God for them, no matter how difficult they are. No matter how easy or above you or below you or beside you or whatever you want to label them. God put them in your life on purpose. And so as we begin to thank God for them one by one, to name them one by one, we can begin to thank God for all that he's going to do in their lives. Uh, in our Bible study, we've been talking about uh, Philippians, and I'm going to flip there to Philippians chapter 1 really quick. And I want this verse to kind of resonate over those people in your life and those, those relationships and, and situations in your life. It's actually um, Philippians chapter 1. Verses of six. It says, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it out to completion on the day of Christ Jesus. He who began a good work in you. Now, Paul is talking about other people. He's not talking about himself. And so when you look at the people around you, you have to begin to believe that the work that God is doing in their lives, that God will carry it to completion. So that verse isn't just speaking over my own life and my own personal mantra of God's going to work out my life. God's also going to work out your daughter's life and your son's life and your husband's life or your wife life or your grandparents life or your co-workers life or your pastor's life or your pastor's wife's life or your pastor's husband's life whoever it is in your sphere of influence God's going to work out their life that's not your job I believe that God's going to work out to completion the work that he started in each and every person and so I'm thankful for them I'm not sitting there trying to fix their lives. I'm thanking God that he chose to put them in my life. And I'm not comparing myself to other people. And then when you go and you take that journal of all the things that God has done since before your salvation and through your salvation and through until today in 2020, the things that God has done 
the ways that he's blessed you, the ways that he's come through at the last minute or just in time, at the right time, the way that God has kept his promises in your life, you begin to look at that and it brings you calendar flip, calendar flip, calendar flip to right to today. And my question is this, what has changed? God is not slow in keeping his promises. No matter where you sit today, no matter what location you are, whether coffee shop or driving or working out or folding lottery, no matter where you sit at this moment, God is working. And he is not slow in keeping his promises. The same God who has provided for you in the past is the God who's working things out right now and the God who is working out your future. And just like it says in Jeremiah uh, 29, 11, he knows the plans that he has for you, plans to give you hope and a future, good plans over you, not plans to harm you or to destroy you. God is not out to destroy you. He's out to give you hope. So let's look today at our text, which is Psalm chapter four. I'm gonna read it in its entirety, and then we're gonna take a look at different parts of it. Psalm chapter four. A Psalm of David. Answer me when I call to you, my righteous God. Give me relief from my distress. Have mercy on me and hear my prayer. How long will you people turn my glory into shame? How long will you love delusions and seek false gods? Know that the Lord has set apart his faithful servant for himself. The Lord hears when I call to him. Tremble and do not sin. When you are on your beds, Search your heart and be silent. Offer the sacrifices of the righteous and trust in the Lord. Many, Lord, are asking, who will bring us prosperity? Let the light of your face shine on us. Fill my heart with joy when their grain and new wine abound. In peace, I will lay down and sleep for you alone, Lord. Make me dwell in safety. Psalm chapter four. This begins with David calling out to God, asking for a word from the Lord. God, answer me. If we keep a journal with a record of what God has done, then we can be confident that God will answer us, that he has answered us in the past. What has changed? Just because I don't hear him at this moment, am I going to be like the nation of Israel who says, Oh, we better run back to Egypt. Egypt was better. Slavery was better than what I have now. No, the call of the Lord is this, that he is steadfast, that he doesn't change like shifting shadows, that he is the same today, tomorrow, and forever. And so your God is holding you, whether he's speaking to you right now or not. But David calls out, God, answer me. Why would he call out to God to answer him? Probably because God was not speaking at that moment. God, answer me. Many of us find ourselves in that moment right now. God, answer me. God, speak to me. Why do we need God to speak to us? For reassurance, for direction, for correction, for um, encouragement? Answer me when I call to you, my righteous God. He says, give me relief from my distress. God promises us to be a, a shelter for us in the storm. We look at what's going on in Australia. When we look at what's going on down in Puerto Rico with the storms there. When we look at all these natural disasters, what is a shelter from the storm? What is relief from distress? 
It's a place where you can go and take a breath. It's a place where you can go and regain yourself. And Psalm 4 says that God is that relief in your distress. So imagine being in the middle of the fires in, in Australia and finding a place where you can get relief. It would be a place to cool off and get a drink. It would be a, a place to regroup and to center your thoughts. And God is that relief in the middle of distress. And so as the world swirls around us, we have to find our place with God. We have to find a quiet place where it's me and God, not me and God and somebody else. It's me and God. And God can be that balm for our soul. God can be that person that comes alongside of us to answer us when we call with supernatural advice. And David goes on to talk about how, how tumultuous the people around him are. He says, how long will you people turn my glory into shame? How long will you love delusions and seek false gods? He's not surrounded with people better than himself. He's surrounded with people who are going astray. Give me relief in the midst of these people, in the midst of this situation. God, I know that you're working, even if you're not speaking. God, I know that you're moving. And then he talks about David being set apart for himself. Do you know that you are set apart from, for the Lord? In the Old Testament, there were certain people at certain times set apart from, for the Lord. But now anyone who calls on the name of the Lord and is saved, has the Holy Spirit living inside of their being. If you have the Holy Spirit living inside of you, you are set apart for the Lord. You are His. You are His beloved. You are a new creation. You are His. You are, you are set apart for Him and for His good pleasure. You, friend, are set apart. But verse 4, it says, so we're looking at David, and David is calling out to God because God's not speaking. He's in the middle of distress. He's looking for relief from his distress. The people around him are not acting in godly character. And it says, tremble and do not sin. When you are on your bed, search your heart and be silent. In the midst of whatever you're going through, be in awe of God. Tremble and be in awe of God who's working it out. God, I see the situation before me, but I know what you've done in the past. I see the people around me, God, not acting appropriately, but God, I know you who began a good work will be faithful to bring it to completion. So I sit in awe of you, and just like in verse 4, when I sit upon my bed, I will search my own heart and not be si and be silent. There's a verse that my boys memorized when they were little boys, and it's do all things without complaining or disputing. Don't grumble. Bad things are happening. Bad people are around you. Sit on your heart and search your own heart. God, what can I do? God, what can I change? God, conform me to your image. God, like silver in the fire, refine me and refine me and stretch my muscles. Help me grow. Help me work out spiritually. Help me to be kind and loving and patient. God, I know you're working. You're not even speaking to me, but I know you're working. And then verse 5. So verse 4 said, Be in awe of God and do not sin. 
When you're on your bed, search your own heart and be silent. Verse 5, offer the sacrifices of the righteous and trust in the Lord. Who's working everything out? God is, not you. You're not to sit there and figure it out like a math equation that if you work hard enough and arrange the numbers just right, it will work. No, God is a supernatural God and the Bible says that his ways are above ours. We don't get to a point spiritually where we completely understand the mind of Christ. We trust in him. We have faith in him. There's things that we do not see that he sees. There's knowledge that he has that we do not have. And the only way to have it is to ask, to ask him to answer us. But he's the one. We have to trust in the Lord, not trust in ourselves, not trust in other people, not trust in circumstances, not trust in money. But, but some men trust in horses. Some men trust in char chariots. But I will trust in the name of the Lord my God. If I have begun to put my footing, my, my security in my ministry, I pray that God will take it away. So I can see that my trust is in him. If I begin to put my security in my finances, I hope that a disaster will happen and something will break down that's pretty big and I won't have the money for it. So I'll learn that I know that I know that my trust, my money comes from God. If I get, begin to elevate people and relationships above Jesus, I hope that my eyes will be opened and I'll be able to trust Jesus. That either those relationships will be taken from me or my eyes will be open to see. Because I want to trust in Jesus. I don't want to trust in my own good works. I know better than that. Because I can be good for only so long. I have to be transformed by the renewing of my mind, which is being in the presence of Jesus, which is sitting on the edge of my bed and saying, God, here I am, speak to me. God, search my heart, know me, know if there's any evil way in me. Psalm 4, answer me when I call to you, my righteous God. Give me relief from my distress. Have mercy on me and hear my prayer. How long will your people turn my glory into shame? How long will you love delusions and seek false gods? Know that the Lord has set apart his faithful servant for himself. The Lord hears when I call him. Tremble and do not sin when you are on your beds. Search your heart and be silent. Offer the sacrifices of the righteous and trust in the Lord. What are the sacrifices of the righteous? Back then, literally, pe people would have to bring lambs and goats and birds to be sacrificed. There's verses in the Bible that says we bring a sacrifice of praise into the house of the Lord. A sacrifice of praise is worshiping God in the midst of something that doesn't feel good. There are two separate times in my life where I have been dismayed. Why I remember going in to church on a Sunday and raising my hands in worship. And it's not about raising my hands. And it's not about church. But I happened to be in church. And I raised my hands and surrendered to God with tears streaming down my face. In the midst of this darkness, I will worship my God. Your praise will always be on my lips. Because I know, God, that you are good. And it really put a mark in the sand for me. But I drew a line in the sand saying that I'll worship God no matter what. And then recently I had a second experience like that where 
everything seemed to turn on its head. And again, I was given the choice of bitterness or giving myself over to God, of throwing myself at his grace and mercy. And that is where I found myself. Because I trust the God who did it before will do it again. Not only do I have examples in scripture of person after person, account after account of the faithfulness of God. I have the example of human beings in this generation who God has come through for. I have examples of men and women who have walked through the fire and come out the other side. I have examples of people who at just the right time God rescues them. I have pastor friends who have looked for new positions and were, were seemingly, it looked like they would have nowhere to live and no income. And at just the right moment, at just the final hour, God comes through with the right place and the right time and puts everything together. I've seen it in people around me and I've seen it in my own life played out. I know I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. I know my God because he's proven himself to me again and again and again. So the question remains, what has changed? Just because you face a new situation in January 2020, what has changed about God? The promises that he made to David in Psalm chapter 4, thousands of years ago, still hold strong. They have not changed. God has not changed. Not in my lifetime. Not in David's lifetime. So the sacrifice of the righteous is our worship and our trust in the Lord. The sacrifice of the righteous is when it doesn't feel good, we still serve Jesus. When it doesn't look good, we still serve Jesus. We trust Jesus in the lives of other people. We trust Jesus in our own lives. We trust Jesus in our circumstances. Because what's changed? Maybe the heading of the situation, but God hasn't changed. He remains faithful. Verse 6, many Lord are asking, who will bring us prosperity? Things look dark and ugly. Who's going to save us? Let the light of your face shine on us. There's a word that's synonymous with Jesus, and that's hope. He brings hope. He brings hope. There's a verse in Romans that says, Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, and faithful in prayer. And that's so applicable over Psalm 4. I'm going to read it again. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, and faithful in prayer. And that's in Romans chapter 12. Let the light of your face shine upon us. Verse 7, fill my heart with joy. He started this out. God, you're my relief in distress. God, fill my heart with joy when the grain and new wine abound. Verse 8, in peace I will lie down and sleep for you alone, Lord. Make me dwell in safety. If the watchmen watch the city and God's not there, they watch in vain. Because God's bigger than all of this. The safety, the, the surety, the peace that we have can only be found in Jesus Christ. 
He's the one who puts joy in our hearts. In Psalm 5, which is the next psalm over, verse 12, I'm going to end with this. It says, Surely, Lord, you bless the righteous. You surround them with your favor as with a shield. Your favor, God, is like a shield. He's a shelter in the storm. He's the relief in our distress. He's our hope in our darkness. When his face shines on us, we can sleep in peace. If we can sleep in peace, we can go about our day in peace. Even though uh, in Psalm 1 and 2, it talks about, uh, how God, why do the nations rage? And my question is, why are we raging? Isn't God above this? And, and then it says, why do the nations rage? And it goes on and says, the Lord laughs when he looks down. Because <laughs> to him, it's so small. The eyes of the Lord are on the righteous. The eyes of the Lord are on you. You're righteous because you belong to Jesus, not because of the good things you've done. The eyes of the Lord are not on the people who can keep every single commandment. The eyes of the Lord are on those who uh, admit what they've done wrong, confess their sins, and are made right before him. And so today, in this moment, at this exact moment, you have the opportunity to go before the Lord, to confess your sins, and he will be faithful and just to forgive you your sins and to cleanse you from all, A-L-L, all unrighteousness. And then you will be white as snow, justified, just as if you had never sinned. Throwing your sin as far as the east is from the west, you stand before him a daughter a son of the most high God. You belong to the king. And when you belong to the king, he will come and see your situation, walk alongside you. The Bible teaches that he will never leave us or forsake us. He is the friend that sticks closer than a brother. And so, what has changed? The date has changed. The year has changed. But the promises of God remain exactly the same as they were for David. God will come through. God is never late. He will keep his promises. He will work out the things in other people's lives as the same way he'll work it out in your life. So today, if you could list all the goodness that God has done in a journal, if you could list the people that God has put in your life, and if we could begin to trust again that the same God of yesterday is the God of today and he will be the God that will carry us into tomorrow. I am so thankful for the word of God because it can wash over us. It can soothe our heart and our soul. It can put us at ease in ways that nothing else can. So thankful for the Holy Spirit. I'm so thankful for Jesus at the right word at the right time. Today, I want to encourage you to find a place alone with the God of the universe, God Almighty, who sees you and knows you and wants to reassure you that he is right there. He gives wisdom to those that call on his name. Call to me and I will answer you and show you great and mighty things that you do not know. Our God is faithful. Nothing has changed about that. Let's pray. God, I thank you that you remain the same. I thank you that you are the beginning and the end, that God, you are with us as we are working out our salvation. God, you are with us as we are, are stretching our spiritual muscles and learning to grow. God, I pray that your word 
would speak hope and truth into the lives of people listening. God, I pray that your word would be like a balm that would soothe us. God, I pray that we wouldn't rage and, and be angry, but God, we would find peace and we would sleep in peace. We would walk in peace. We would live in peace, knowing that God, you began good works in people and you'll carry it out to completion. And God, you began a good work in us and you will carry it out to completion. God, I thank you that you do not change. God, I pray that we would find peace in your name, amen.